1: Have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! O'Reilly O'Connell wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus, fighting Irish hockey. They
2: score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame.
1: Terren Fritchett.
2: Well, I'm already getting a head start on tomorrow's program and our big We Going to Sizzler Friday extravaganza, where we expand the four suggestions into however many I come up with from college football, the NFL, and we might even do something for the first time tomorrow. On DraftKings Sportsbook, they have wagering for college hockey. And they have seven games on the board, including Michigan State at Notre Dame. The Irish are a heavy favorite To win on the money line, Notre Dame hockey at minus 250. That means if you bet five, you win seven. You get your five bucks back, plus you win two dollars. Since Notre Dame is minus 250, not a whole lot of juice there, but if you believe the win by more than a goal and a half, it's pretty good at minus 105. So we might even sneak in a little college hockey into our sports wagering segment tomorrow here on WSBT Radio. I know this, just putting down my early picks, I have five locked in, four of the five are underdogs, and one of them is a team you probably follow here in South Bend. So that's just a little tease, what's coming up tomorrow. So I'm really big on the underdogs right now. And just looking at my board, three of the four underdogs I'm picking are on the road. So we'll get to that coming up on tomorrow's program. Well, good to be with you here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Ten minutes after 5 o'clock, we've got a mix of sun and clouds in downtown South Bend on this Thursday, October the 27th of 2022. This is a two-hour program tonight. We're on the air until 7 o'clock Eastern time Then we have one hour of Notre Dame football talk from the head coach of the Fighting Irish, Marcus Freeman, the Marcus Freeman radio show. And then at 8 o'clock, it is Westwood 1 with the play-by-play of a very intriguing Thursday night football game. Probably more intriguing at the start of the year when these two teams were considered serious playoff contenders. And right now, both are in the mix but not guaranteed to make the postseason. You've got two electric quarterbacks who do it in a completely different fashion as Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens are down in Tampa to take on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Westwood 1's coverage starts at 8, kickoff probably right around 8.15 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Now, I'm sure if you're listening to this program – I would bet well over 75% of you probably play fantasy football. And some news just popped up over the next, or I should say over the last 20 minutes, that if you're a fantasy football, boy, I can't speak today. If you're a fantasy football owner and if you have this player, you're probably going to be scrambling because this is a marquee player that's going to be out and extended period of time Adam Schefter of ESPN is reporting that Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase is going to be out four to six weeks with a hip injury Chase Joe Burrow's favorite target 47 catches 605 yards six touchdowns again Adam Schefter reporting he'll be out four to six weeks that's big for the Bengals and obviously that is huge news For fantasy football managers. And the Bengals don't play until Monday night, so I have a little time to go through the waiver wire and try to pick out someone that might be able to help you this week. You look at the Bengals roster, more opportunities for their number two and number three wide receivers, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Those guys are probably on a roster at this time. Also, it could help out tight end Hayden Hurst, who I actually picked up this week because I have Mark Andrews of the Ravens who had a knee injury going into last week, played all the snaps, but did not get the ball thrown his way. Looked like the knee was bothering him. And I'm just not sure he's going to do anything tonight. So I benched him and picked up Hayden Hurst of the Bengals to take on the Browns Monday night. It's always scary benching one of your best players, but after four rushing yards and no receiving yards last week, it is worth taking a shot at the very least. So again, According to Adam Schefter, Jamar Chase of the Bengals, their all-pro wide receiver, is out four to six weeks due to a hip injury. Man, what a connection Burrow and Chase have been from their days at LSU and now in the NFL with the Cincinnati Bengals. Coming up on the program this evening, of course, we've got plenty of Notre Dame football conversation with our Twitter question of the day. I'll offer you the five things that – the Irish offense needs to do to have success against Syracuse Saturday at noon right here on WSBT radio. Every Thursday we offer you a little update on Notre Dame opponents by putting together the Notre Dame opponent rankings. We rank the opponents from 12 to 1 with number 1 being the best team on the Irish schedule. Number 12 and number 1 have not changed all year. We'll see if there's any movement in this week's rankings. Also coming up, we're going to play back a portion of Marcus Freeman's Zoom call today, touching on several st- subjects, including what is he seeing out of the wide receiver position at practice? And also Prince Colley, Jalen Sneed, two young, very exciting defenders. How much progress are they making in practice? You'll hear from the Irish head coach on those subjects coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. We also... Have our NFL pick segment coming up in the five o'clock hour. Went nine and five last week. I'm not sure many people had the Panthers beating the Buccaneers. I did not. That was a stunner. And also, we'll have our sports wagering segment to wrap up the program. So let's get rolling. 15 minutes after five o'clock, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're also streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and the live video feed on the free Twitch app.
1: The first pitch of the, first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Of- Into the windup of his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
2: And our first pitch tonight to you are just simply some nuggets you need to know about this Notre Dame football team and the opponent they will face on Saturday, the 16th ranked and 6-1 Syracuse Orange. First of all, Marcus Freeman today offered an update on three Irish defenders and it looks like all three will be a go for the matchup against the Orange. That includes linebacker Jack Kaiser and safety Brandon Joseph, both limited in last week's win over UNLV. Joseph, until today, had an undisclosed injury. Freeman today called it a lower leg injury, a contusion. Joseph was allowed to return punts last week. Also, cornerback Jaden Mickey, he is expected to play on Saturday. Coach Freeman offered an update on injured starting quarterback Tyler Buckner. You might recall in the Marshall game, suffered a left shoulder, non-throwing shoulder injury. And that was the last we would see of Tyler Buckner. Unfortunately, he is lost for the season. We were told four to five months when the injury occurred. Marcus said today, When asked about the status of Tyler Buckner, really nothing has changed. still a four or five month recovery that likely gets you to January. Freeman said today that Buckner is not able to do physical drills right now with his throwing shoulder because it still affects the surgically repaired left shoulder and he has not been able to run yet. He has not been released by doctors to do that, so we're kind of... I guess fair to say, in a holding pattern right now with Tyler Buckner getting back to any sort of physical activity. All right, the Irish defense, let's tell you where they are right now in the national rankings after UNLV only had 299 total yards. They went 0 for 12 on third down, but still... They put up 21 points. They put up 14 points total in their last two games against San Jose State and Air Force. Al Golden's defense, currently 35th in the country in scoring defense, giving up 21.8 points per game. Total defense, this is yardage, 341.4 yards per game. That is 30th in the country. Their rushing defense took a, a tad bit of a step back Down to 61 in the country, 139.4 rushing yards allowed per game. Their pass efficiency defense, middle of the pack, 70. And with UNLV going 0 for 12 on third down, the third down defense looks a whole lot better. They jumped up about 25 spots to 36. The Irish now giving up 33.7% of the time the opposition picks up the first down on third down unique challenge for the Irish this week taking on Syracuse two years ago this team was 1-10 last year they added Mississippi State transfer quarterback Garrett Schrader with his help and a lot of improvement around him they moved their record to 5-7 and this year After their first 6-0 start since 1987, they did not get to 7-0 despite leading Clemson on the road 21-10 in the third quarter last Saturday. A Syracuse offense that could not put up another point in the second half against that really good Tiger defense. This is a Syracuse football team that has ran the ball extremely well throughout the season with the help of their quarterback and top running back. They're at 179 yards per game. Syracuse pass efficiency offense is outstanding. One of the best in the country. They are 14th. So this is a football team that can hurt you in the run, in the pass game. Now I'll say this. The one thing about Syracuse and their offense is the fact that they have very limited, dependable targets Garrett Schrader, to throw to. Now, I partially misled you yesterday by the way I classified Aranda the third, their top pass catcher. I call him a wide receiver. Syracuse calls him a wide receiver slash tight end. So when I made the comment yesterday, they don't throw to the tight end. Let me be precise. If you're going to call Ganson a tight end, yes, they throw to him. I kind of call him... One of those hybrid players that can play both. So I want to make sure I clarify my statement. They do throw to the tight end if you classify Gadsden as a tight end. He's a big target. At 6'5", his dad played in the National Football League with the Miami Dolphins. Really good football player. But they have not had much development elsewhere in their passing game from wide receivers very inconsistent in that area. Their running back catches the football. That's a big part of their offense. But let's kind of start at the top with quarterback Garrett Schrader. Schrader came into this season as a 54% career passer. Now he played one year at Mississippi State as a freshman, was on the bench the next year, transferred to Syracuse last year, and now playing... His second season with the Orange this year. He's gone from a 54% passer all the way up to 69% this year. And that's even with very limited consistent targets to throw the football to. But Schrader doesn't just throw the football. He's actually been more known until this year. His ability to run with the football. They will use plan runs with Garrett Schrader. Good job. Good job. Three option. Schrader's a major part of this offense, running the football. It's something definitely Notre Dame is going to have to hone in on. 14 rushing touchdowns for Schrader last year. He's got six more this year and a more well-rounded offense. The defensive coordinator of the Fighting Irish is Al Golden. And here is Golden offering a little perspective on Syracuse quarterback, Garrett Schrader.
3: They do a really good job with him. You know, um, they've they've kind of built this offense around around him, and and he's answered the call. So you know, he's a big, strong guy. He can stand in the pocket and throw it. Uh, he's made a, a ton of throws down the field. Uh, at, at the same time, if he doesn't like what he has, um, he can scramble and create. So he can throw on the run, or he can tuck the ball away. You know, again, really impressed. Uh, you know, with he. Uh, and the tailback, and then obviously 19 on the perimeter is doing a great job for them
2: as well. I think here's the good news for the Fighting Irish at times. Syracuse has been a tad bit clumsy protecting their quarterback, who is mobile, but I think the Irish can, with their pass rush, disrupt this guy throwing the football. If you're not going to get a whole lot of separation – Outside of Gadsden or maybe Tucker coming out of the backfield. It's almost like playing yourself. If you know what I mean. You got Michael Mayer. And then you have some receivers that have up and down moments. You have a quarterback at times when those receivers get open. Misses the target or does not identify them. And you got guys coming out of the backfield that can catch it for Notre Dame. So even though not exactly the same. You can see the ballpark mirror image. But I think Notre Dame can protect their quarterback a tad bit better than Syracuse can, and I'm a big believer in the way the Irish can get after the quarterback. So Schrader is going to be a handful for this football team. Virginia held him 14 carries 11 yards. Let's don't count Wagner. He didn't have to run it much in that 59-0 win. Everybody else has allowed Schrader to do some damage in the running game. Sean Tucker's been a topic of conversation the last week. First off, he had a terrific year last year, 1,400 rushing yards to lead the Atlantic Coast Conference. 129 carries this year. All-American candidate. But yet, in arguably their biggest game in a long time, at number 5 Clemson, Last Saturday, he rushed the ball five times. That's it, five times. Head coach Dino Babers in his press conference earlier this week said that was a mistake and we are correcting it. Unfortunately for Notre Dame, Tucker is very healthy and probably a little frisky going into this game after very limited touches in a massive game at Clemson. Here once again is Al Golden, the Irish defensive coordinator, offering his perspective on this guy that didn't get used a whole lot last week, running back Sean Tucker.
3: Games always unfold differently, you know, and uh, whether it's out of the backfield as a receiver, um, him being displaced uh, in the formation or getting the ball, you know, he's a challenge. Um if he's not the best, he's you know he's one of the top two we've seen this year um, because he is a complete back. He's an every down and back. Um, he can run in short yards. He can run in the low red goal line, and uh, he's a very effective receiver on third down. So um, really, uh, really impressed me.
2: You heard Al there mention that Tucker's really good down in the red zone. Let's remember the Irish red zone defense has allowed 17 scores on 17 opponent opportunities in the red zone this year. One of two teams in the country not to allow the opposition to not score in the red zone this year. The other is Rutgers. They're 14 out of 14. Notre Dame a little worse at 17 of 17. The running ability of Schrader and Tucker down inside the 20 is going to be a major storyline in this football game. As we told you, the Irish getting healthy. Kaiser and Joseph ready to roll in this game. Limited last week. Very good news for Al Golden's defense. To me, how well they contain this running game might lead us to which football team is going to win this ballgame. Doing my early work for tomorrow's show with the advantage game and making some predictions, I think both of these running games are going to be useful in this contest. I'm not going to call them dominant, but I think both run games will have their moments in this ballgame. I think this is going to be a tight game. Yesterday I mentioned I'm leaning toward Notre Dame to win this game outright. They're a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think it's going to be a field goal-type game up at Syracuse. I think the Irish have the capabilities to win this football game, but it would be nice... If they want a turnover battle, something they have not done this year. And you look at Syracuse, they turned Clemson over four times last week in Death Valley. The Irish can take care of the football. I think they've got a really good shot to knock off. Their second, 16th ranked team this year, BYU is 16. Out in Vegas, and now Syracuse is number 16 playing at home. Noon kickoff on Saturday, Notre Dame at Syracuse. Should be a lot of fun. Our pregame starts at 6 a.m., and we'll have game day sports beat powered by Michelob Ultra, Tyler Hork and I, from our studios from 9 until 11 here on WSBT Radio. Coming up next... Our Twitter question of the day. We've got some NFL picks to make in a little bit. Plus, the top five things the Irish offense needs to do to help get the job done at what used to be known as the Carrier Dome on Saturday. Plenty of pigskin talk to come. We're just getting rolling. Bud Weiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: In 1922... We began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT, celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022.
2: Well, the fall edition of Radio Bingo is here. Michiana's virtual double bingo game has $5,000 worth of cash prizes that you can get your hands on. All you have to do is first get a bingo card, and then you can play for big cash jackpots. Just go to MichianaBingo.com, and don't forget to use the Camden Appliance. Free space in the center. The jackpot will grow daily by 50 bucks rules bingo cards everything you need at michianabingo.com and michiana's virtual double bingo game is brought to you in part by camden appliance carl k memorials Christiansen furniture and faith mission of michiana
1: this is the budweiser's weekday sports beat twitter question of the day from sports radio 960 wsbt
2: I'm Darren Pritchett, 535 at WSBT. Well, I think yesterday's question was a tad bit unfair, or it's a tough question to answer because if you look at what the Irish have done over a full season, there have been ups and downs. So when I asked the question, which of these Notre Dame position groups have been the most consistent this year? It's just kind of depending on how you rate consistent. So here's what we got accomplished yesterday. I gave you three choices for that question. The question is always available on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. The most consistent of these Notre Dame position groups was running back was choice number one, offensive line choice number two, And the third choice, the defensive line. Now, at the start of the season, I think it was a coin flip. If you had a position group power ranking for Notre Dame football, depending on your preference, you probably would have had offensive line and defensive line in some order in the top two spots in the power rankings. I think we all felt like the running back position was going to be in good hands, despite the fact that Kyron Williams was lost to the NFL draft. But there were concerns about Logan Diggs coming off an injury in the spring game. Audric Estime only had seven carries in his career. Chris Tyree was banged up last year. So even though there was some uncertainty, I think I speak for majority people—they felt like that position was going to be okay. So here are the results of yesterday's question. Notre Dame position groups, who's been the most consistent third place in the voting is the Irish offensive line that got 20.8% of the vote. Now they are a midseason nominee for the Joe Moore award given to the nation's best offensive line. Now they're not going to win that award, but they got nominated at midseason, And I think this is one of the tough ones to evaluate. If you take away the first two games, you have a different-looking offensive line. From game three until now, the offensive line has played at a much higher level than the first two weeks of the season against Ohio State and Marshall. So again, when I ask for consistency, I can see why you didn't vote for the offensive line. But since week three, this has been a much-improved part of the football team. Second place in the voting, the Irish defensive line, which has as much talent as any part of the football team. Ups and downs for this unit. They're just a part of the run defense that I think can be better right now. 61st in the country, giving up 139 yards per game. So the defensive line got 34% of the vote. And according to you, of these... Notre Dame position groups, who has been the most consistent? You went with the running back group, which it's hard to argue. 45.3% went with the running backs. Andre Castamay has had his fumbling issues three of the last four games. Chris Tyree kind of comes and goes in his, maybe I'm creating a word, creating a word, but ability. You just never know from week to week, and Logan Diggs out of nowhere kind of took charge last week when Estime fumbled. He got 28 carries in the ballgame. Is he going to be that number one guy again this week? It's probably going to be more split up again, but I think Diggs is right now warming the hearts of the Irish offensive coaches. They like the direction he is heading in. So, You have spoke your mind, and the running back group is the most consistent of those three groups, and the vote we had yesterday on my Twitter account, at 960 Sportsbeat. All right, today's Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day, it went up online earlier this afternoon. This is a two-part question. First, does Notre Dame have a better chance to beat Clemson or USC? Part two of the question which of the two do you hope they do beat for sure? So you've got four choices. If you feel like Notre Dame has a better chance to beat Clemson and you hope they beat Clemson more so than USC, that's choice number one. Choice number two is they have a better chance against Clemson, but you hope they beat USC. Choice number three, USC. The Irish have a better chance to beat them, and you hope they beat them. And finally, You feel like that USC, the Irish have a better chance to beat them, but you're hoping, if you have to win one of the two, you hope it is Clemson. We'll let the voting unfold, but three of the four are getting a majority of the votes, and I think the longtime rivalry with USC will end up winning out, but it's a close vote right now. Many people, I think, are under the belief that Clemson will be easier to beat than USC, maybe some of that has to do with home and away. Maybe some of that has to do with watching Clemson last week bench their starting quarterback for a true freshman. We'll let the voting unfold. We'll pass along the results on tomorrow's program. 19 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Five things that the Irish offense has to do to beat Syracuse. That's coming up. NFL picks on the way as Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues in front of the Marcus Freeman Show at 7 o'clock on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT Radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett.
2: Well, I mentioned this is the first of 27 straight days with football on your television screen. We've got some action tonight. Number 24, NC State, is hosting Virginia Tech at 730 Also at 7.30, the raging Cajuns from Louisiana at Southern Mississippi in a Sun Belt game. I like it's being called the Fun Belt with all the upsets they've had this year. And 10 o'clock tonight, number 14 Utah, a team that's been lined up a tad bit in bowl predictions with Notre Dame. The Utes are 5-2. They've got a Pac-12 road game at Washington State tonight. Also, we've got Thursday Night Football here on WSBT Radio. The Baltimore Ravens are taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let's talk some National Football League action as we get a brand new week in the NFL underway. Week number eight of the National Football League begins with this Ravens-Buccaneers matchup. Baltimore the favorite early on. Now Tampa Bay sits as a one-to-two-point favorite over the Baltimore Ravens. The Buccaneers have played very poor offensive football the last two weeks at Pittsburgh and at Carolina. Can they find their game against a Ravens defense that has not been the same, coincidence or not, since Wink Martindale was let go and now doing a great job with the New York football Giants. So... This is a really hard game to diagnose because you just don't know which Tampa Bay team is going to show up. I'm going to ride Brady one more week. When you doubt him, that's when he shocks you, so I'll give him one more shot. I'll take the Buccaneers to edge out a victory over the Ravens tonight. There's a Sunday game in London, and it is not a barn burner. The 2-5 Broncos against the 2-5 Jaguars. And, of course, the Jaguars are a 2.5-point favorite. Looks like Russell Wilson will play. But as a disgruntled Bronco fan, I'm taking the Jaguars because they're a better team right now. Although the Denver defense is one of the best in the NFL, unfortunately, they are teamed up with an offense that would scare any trick-or-treater. At this particular time, I'm going Jaguars in London. Now the 1 o'clock slate in the NFL on Sunday. Panthers at Falcons. Panthers coming off that upset win over the Buccaneers in Charlotte last week. Atlanta, first time that they did not cover against the spread this year. As they got thumped by the Cincinnati Bengals. Atlanta favored by 4.5. Straight out, I'll go with Atlanta to take care of the Panthers. Marcus Marriott has been just fine at quarterback for Atlanta. Interesting matchup and an interesting line. The Bears at the Cowboys. Bears coming off that 33-14 win over the Patriots. The Cowboys didn't look great until late, beating Detroit last week and the return of quarterback Dak Prescott from his thumb injury. What are the odds makers doing here? The Bears look great. On Monday night. Are they saying that was a fluke? Depending on the line, the Cowboys are favored by 8.5 to 9.5 points in this matchup with the Monsters of the Midway. Looks like right now it's back to 9.5. I'm not sure about the spread, but Dallas has had another week of practice to refine their rhythm with Prescott. And I think they will be able to slow down the Bears I mean, you take a look at Micah Parsons, the great Cowboy, defensive player. He's probably going to be spying on Justin Fields. Why Bill Belichick did not spy on him, really kind of interesting to think about. Cowboys aren't going to make that mistake. They're going to let somebody else beat them rather than Fields carrying the ball. I think the Cowboys win, but, man, that's a lot of points to lay. Dolphins at Lions. Lions are one and five. All the hoopla coming out of Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks on HBO is long gone. Dolphins got a much needed win, although after the first couple of drives, Tua and the Dolphins offense stalled at home against Pittsburgh Sunday night. Dolphins favored by three and a half. I think Miami squeaks out a win here over Detroit. I don't think it's gonna be easy now. I think St. Brown and Swift are practicing full this week, so Detroit may get their top two playmakers back. That makes this game a whole lot more interesting. I'll go Dolphins by that much. Cardinals add Vikings. The Cardinals are great on the road. The Vikings are horrible coming off a bye. Kirk Cousins is bad coming off a bye. I'll ride the wave. Cardinals will upset the Vikings, which is good news for the Bears. Let's see if they can... Make a move on Minnesota, who is 5-1 right now. You've got the Raiders and the Saints playing down in New Orleans. Looks like Andy Dalton remains as the starting quarterback for New Orleans. Raiders favored by a point and a half. Josh Jacobs is running the ball all over the place for Las Vegas. I will take the Raiders to win in New Orleans, where they won the Super Bowl over the Philadelphia Eagles way back when with Jim Plunkett throwing to Kenny King. All right, Patriots at Jets. One o'clock kick at MetLife. All the Jet fans have been waiting for this, a chance to whoop up on Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But New England is favored by two and a half. Looks like Mac Jones will start. I'm going to go Jets based on the fact they're going back to Mac Jones. So I'm going to say the Jets According to the odds makers, upset the Patriots to get to six and two. The Battle of Pennsylvania: the Steelers at the Eagles. Philadelphia favored by eleven. I think the Eagles take care of business. It'll be a double-digit win for Philadelphia as they move their record to seven and zero. Oh. Now to the late window, the four o'clock window: Titans at Texans down in Houston, Tennessee, favored by two. The King, Mr. Henry, has ran for over 200 yards in his last three meetings with Houston. I'll take the Titans based on that fact. Commanders at Colts. The matchup down in Indy. The Colts favored by three. Sam Ellinger makes his first start for Indy. I'm going to go the Commanders in an upset based on their defensive line putting pressure on Ellinger. 49ers at Rams. San Francisco favored by a point and a half. The 49ers have kind of owned this series. A big exception, the NFC Championship game last year. I'm going to take the Rams at home to beat San Francisco. Giants at Seahawks. Seattle favored by three. Seahawks have played really well at home. I love their running game right now with the old Spartan running back, Kenny Walker. I'm going to say Seahawks get the Giants in a tight game up in Seattle. Packers at Bills. Who can you count on in that Packer offense right now? I'm going Buffalo, and i got to think it's big, right? What's going to happen overnight for the Packers to change that? And finally, Monday Night Football. Bengals at Browns. Cincinnati on the road favored by three. As I mentioned earlier, Jamar Chase is out four to six weeks with a hip injury, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. I will still take the Bengals to win at Cleveland that's a look at week 8 in the National Football League two teams are on a bye this week the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers it is 5.54 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT sports Sportsbeat brought to you by Budweiser the King of Beers locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend football fans this Bud's for you By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community, while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates. That fit anyone's budget, call Tim at 574-232-9981. Buy Legacy Heating and Air, a cook family business. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, own, shop, for New beginnings, have happy endings. And Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape. Must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Here's what I have coming up. Over the final hour of our program, the five things that the Irish offense will need to do to beat Syracuse on Saturday. We've got our Notre Dame opponent rankings. We'll play back a portion of today's Marcus Freeman press conference and a little We Going to Sizzler sports wagering talk at the end of the hour, right before the Marcus Freeman show at 7 o'clock. And then at 8 o'clock, the Ravens and the Buccaneers. All on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chase by Gamble, 20.
2: Here's the fake. Meyer looking.
1: Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five by Rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren it. Well,
2: I guess the matchup Saturday is a battle of the rocket and the missile. Rocket Ismail, of course, the great Notre Dame football star, his brother Quadri, known as the missile, played. At Syracuse, the Irish and the Orange. Saturday, noon kick here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our pregame coverage starts, well, at 6 a.m. Tyler Horka and I will have game day sports beat powered by Michelob Ultra from 9 until 11 right here on 960 a.m. WSBT. And, of course, we'll be streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app.
1: One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: Well, the Irish offense still looking for more consistency, more explosive plays, better production down in the red zone. What can they do against Syracuse on Saturday? Well, the Syracuse football team has been really good against the run this year until Clemson ran over them in the second half on Saturday, and they went from the low teens in the country and run defense, and now Syracuse has fallen down to 39th in the country against the run, giving up 123 yards per game. Their pass efficiency defense is number 19. In the country. So, a good challenge for Tommy Reese's offense. So, let's go through five things that could help the Irish offense get the job done against Syracuse on Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Well, Braden Lindsey has been around these parts a long time. We know the story. Track star out in high school in Oregon. Came to Notre Dame, did not want to be known as a track and field star, wanted to be known as a football player. And the Irish wide receiver has had his ups and downs here. You look at the production on the stat sheet, you don't see something eye-popping from Brayden Lindsey, but if you watch the film, I think you could argue he should have four, five, six receiving touchdowns this year. But for whatever reason, when he gets open, ready for a big play, the ball is overthrown. It's off the mark, or he's not noticed on the play. Well, Braden Lindsey can bring you a big play in this offense. At times, he's been there ready to make that big play, but it's been missed. Maybe this is the week that Braden Lindsey is hit in stride or is noticed on a big play in which he is open. Let's hope that Braden Lindsay makes a big play to help this fighting Irish offense. Four! Well, starting fast was fun last week. Leading into the matchup against UNLV, Notre Dame had scored a total of six points all year in the first quarter. A lot of offensive categories in the first quarter. Notre Dame was near the bottom of the country, but they put up 23 against UNLV last week. Hey, that is a positive, positive development. Of course, we're going to get picky a little bit. Three field goals disappointing. Two of those three field goals when you got the football in plus territory starting in UNLV territory due to an illegal interference of The Notre Dame player calling for the fair catch. The penalty put the ball in plus territory. And then the second of two block punts by Isaiah Foskey gave them the ball at the UNLV 14. But unfortunately, they only kicked a field goal. So starting fast is a nice trend. Let's see if they can make it two games in a row. And it would be nice to even have seven on the board rather than some of those threes.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, Number three.
2: What the Irish need to do offensively to beat Syracuse on Saturday. Effective first down plays to stay ahead of the chains. We have seen games this year where the Irish got limited yardage or backed up on first down, which puts the play caller and the quarterback in a tough spot. Let's see if Notre Dame stays true to that running game. Let's see if they can build on What Clemson did to Syracuse last week and running it right down their throat. They've got an undersized nose tackle who's very good, but can the Irish push him around? Opening up some holes up the middle for Logan Diggs, Chris Tyree, Audric Estime, or whoever gets football for Notre Dame. But running the ball on first down, staying ahead of the chains is big, and I would not be at all disappointed if... The Irish don't try to get something rolling in the passing game early because I think Syracuse is going to sit on that running game. No better way to loosen up that run defense by having some success early in the game, throwing on first down. Number two. Another thing that could help the Irish on Saturday, ball security. Syracuse is tied for 29th nationally in creating turnovers. 13 turnovers in seven games, highlighted by what they did in Death Valley against number 5 Clemson last week. The Orange defense turned Clemson over four times, and that got their starting quarterback benched. Now, the Irish have committed 10 turnovers so far this year, five interceptions, five fumbles. Boy, it would be nice to win the turnover battle at what used to be known as the Carrier Dome. Number one. I mentioned it a moment ago. Stick with the run. Let's see if Syracuse is able to shut the door. They were great in their first six games of the year stopping the run, but then Clemson decided, you know what? Let's see what you can do with this run game. And Will Shipley ran for 170 yards as Clemson just bulldozed Syracuse in the second half. And I hope Tommy Reese is not afraid to be a little unbalanced. In this game. Yeah, I want them to throw on first down to loosen up that defense early in the game, but consistently pounding the football. Let's see if Notre Dame can have similar success. And as I documented earlier in the week, is this run game heavily improved or is it because of the level of competition they played? Last four games, three of the four games, over 200 rushing yards. Three of those four teams are in the bottom 31 in the country. In run defense, UNLV, the best team they faced in the last four. They're 98th in the country against the run. Everybody left on the schedule is 76 or better, including Syracuse, who is 39 in the country. Those are five keys for the Irish offense to get the job done in Upper New York tomorrow. I should say Saturday against Syracuse. 60 minutes after 6 o'clock. More Fighting Irish Football Talk Next, as we take a look at the opponents on the Irish schedule and how they're doing, in particular, the ones coming up on the Notre Dame schedule.
1: A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: 624 in your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. I thank you for spending a portion of your Thursday with me as we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. It is time for our Notre Dame opponent rankings. For this week, we take the 12 teams on the Irish schedule this year, and just like in a power ranking, we rank them from number 12 to number 1. And we start at the bottom with the 12th-ranked team in the Notre Dame opponent ranking. It is a team coming up on the schedule on a neutral field. The United States Naval Academy, the midshipmen are 2-5. and five. They lost last week to the Houston Cougars, 38-20. Last couple of weeks, Navy has ran the ball a whole lot better than they did early on in the season when it was a struggle for this option team. The one stat that surprises you about Navy, they are 13th in the country in run defense. Now, they can't be that good, right? Well, the Houston Cougars, 34 carries against the Mideast last week for 180 yards. Navy will take on the Temple Owls this Saturday at 3:30. Navy is number 12. Down one spot to number 11 in this week's Notre Dame opponent rankings, the University of Nevada Las Vegas. They fell to 4 and 4 after losing to Notre Dame at the stadium 44 to 21. UNLV Their offense just lacks the firepower without Doug Brumfield, their starting quarterback, who has missed the last two games. UNLV, idle this week. November 5th, they will play at San Diego State. Ranked number 10 in this week's Notre Dame opponent rankings, the thundering herd of Marshall. I guarantee they would not win next week. I guarantee... Did not turn out to be a guarantee that was worth anything. They went to James Madison and won. You can't figure out this Marshall team. Marshall 26, James Madison, who was just ranked two weeks ago, 12. That's a beautiful road win for Marshall. Kalan Laybourne has now rushed for 100 yards in every game this year for Marshall. Against James Madison, 30 carries for 151. Very similar to what he did at Notre Dame Stadium when LeBourne had 31 carries for 163 yards. 4-3 Marshall. They've got a fun belt conference game at home against Coastal Carolina Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Now to number 9 in this week's Notre Dame opponent rankings. The California Golden Bears, they sit at 3 and 4. A couple of weeks ago, allowed Colorado to win their first game of the year. It was an overtime 20 to 13 win in Boulder. California lost to the Washington Huskies last week 28-21. So this Cal team, who went 5 and 7 last year, 4 and 5 in the Pac-12, they are three and four overall this year and just one and three in conference play. Not very likely that California is going to end their losing ways this week. In Berkeley, California welcomes the Oregon Ducks for a 330 kickoff. Notre Dame opponent rankings. Team number eight. A team still to come on the Irish schedule at Notre Dame Stadium, the Boston College Eagles. B.C. is now 2-5. There were some hopes this could be a much better season for B.C., but they are scuffling, as I've mentioned throughout the year, inability to protect quarterback Phil Djokovic. They have not stopped the run very well, and they got thumped by nationally ranked Wake Forest last week, 43 15. Now, I'll say this, Wake is known for throwing the football. They tried to run it at BC, 35 carries, but only 115 yards. And Djurkovic for BC went 20 of 38 for 221 yards. A winnable game this week for Boston College. They will play at UConn, a noon kick on Saturday. Number seven in this week's Notre Dame opponent rankings the Stanford Cardinal, who have won two in a row. It has not been a masterpiece. It has not been beautiful, but wins are wins. After upsetting the Fighting hours 16-14 at Notre Dame Stadium, Stanford went home to take on an Arizona State team in transition after they fired their head coach, Herm Edwards, a couple of weeks ago. At halftime, the game on the farm in Palo Alto, it was Arizona State 14-14. Stanford, six. Stanford would rally to win the game, 15-14. They kicked five field goals to post the victory. So they've won 16-14 and 15-14 the last two weeks. So Stanford is three and four. They're at number 12, UCLA, a trip to the Rose Bowl for the Cardinal. It's a 10-30 kick Saturday night in Pasadena. So 12 through 7 in this week's Notre Dame opponent rankings. Navy is 12, UNLV 11, Marshall is number 10. Then you've got California at 9, Boston College 8, and the Stanford Cardinal come in this week at number 7. Now to the top 6 in this week's Notre Dame opponent rankings. At number 6 for a second straight week, the Cougars of BYU, who are now... 4-4. 4-4. Four and four. Remember where they were ranked going into that game in Vegas against the Irish? No longer. They have gotten thumped in their two games since almost rallying against Notre Dame in Las Vegas. They were beaten badly at home by Arkansas two weeks ago and BYU last Saturday lost at Liberty 41-14. The Cougars losing streak has hit three in a row. BYU will host the Pirates of East Carolina Saturday night at 8 o'clock. So, BYU definitely going in the wrong direction. Number five, 6-1 North Carolina. The Tar Heels were idle last week. They've got a matchup against the Pittsburgh Panthers Saturday night at 8 o'clock in... Chapel Hill two weeks ago Carolina held on to beat the Duke Blue Devils in Durham 38-35 so this Carolina team it kind of feels like last year's Notre Dame team the Irish probably were not as good as their record indicated but the record was very good Carolina's 6-1 are they as good as 6-1 sounds Eh. offensively probably Defensively, still not there yet. Notre Dame opponent rankings, number four this week's opponent from the Atlantic Coast Conference, the Syracuse Orange. 6-1 and one, their record again. They were off to their first 6-0 start since 1987 before losing at number five Clemson last week, 27-21. There's a lot of reasons why Syracuse came up short. In that ball game, some point to questionable officiating hitting the Clemson quarterback out of bounds, even though that defender was pushed in the back. That was called on third and a million, giving Clemson a first down, leading to a touchdown in the third quarter. Syracuse quarterback getting shoved out of bounds, not called. Dino Babers allowing 25 seconds to roll off the clock. In the final two minutes of the ball game, 25 seconds that could have helped Syracuse on their final drive, but he waited an extra 25 seconds before a fourth down play to call a timeout. And, as we've talked about, the running back, Sean Tucker, only got five carries in the game. Other than that, Syracuse fans are just thrilled right now. After Syracuse takes on the Fighting Irish this week, They'll have the Pittsburgh Panthers up next. Number three in this week's Notre Dame opponent rankings, the men of Troy, Lincoln Riley's, USC Trojans, USC, 6-1, their only loss in Salt Lake City to Utah. The Trojans had the weekend off last week. This week, they head down to Arizona to take on the Wildcats in a Pac-12 matchup Kickoff time is 7 o'clock for USC, a team that the Irish will play in the Coliseum at the end of the regular season. Up to the number two spot in this week's Notre Dame opponent rankings. That's where we find the team that the Irish will play next week at Notre Dame Stadium, the Clemson Tigers. They are an 8-0 football team. As I've been talking about, they rallied to beat Syracuse 27-21. Cade Klubnick, the freshman quarterback, off the bench to help save the playoff hopes of Clemson. The running game, a big part of that as well. Will Shipley, 172 rushing yards, including a 50-yard touchdown run for Clemson. They've got an NFL defensive line. That'll be a fun matchup next week against the Irish offensive line. Clemson is idle this week before coming to South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish in a primetime matchup at 7.30. And finally, still the number one team in the Notre Dame opponent rankings, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State crushed the Iowa Hawkeyes at the Horseshoe 54-10. The undefeated Buckeyes go to Happy Valley to take on Penn State it's an early kick like the Irish, a noon kickoff for the Buckeyes and the Nittany Lions. C.J. Stroud, Heisman hopeful, the quarterback for the Buckeyes, completing 70% of his throws for 2,023 yards, 28 touchdown passes with four interceptions. So the top six in this week's Notre Dame opponent rankings, 4-4 four and four BYU is sixth. Number five, six and 6-1 North Carolina. Syracuse, number four. At number three, USC at 6-1. Then you've got 8-0 Clemson at number two. And number one, Ohio State at the top of the rankings, and they have been there since the preseason. The fall edition of Radio Bingo is here. Michiana's virtual double bingo game has $5,000 worth of cash and prizes that you can get your hands on. Grab your bingo card and play for the big jackpots at MichianaBingo.com. And don't forget to use the Camden Appliance free space in the center. Our jackpot grows daily by 50 bucks. For rules and bingo cards, head to MichianaBingo.com. Michiana's virtual double bingo game is brought to you in part by Pet Refuge. Weaver Insurance, The Village at Arborwood, Kyle's Towing and Recovery, and ABC 57. I'm Darren Pritchett, 636 at WSBT, the Marcus Freeman Show, coming up at the top of the hour. Marcus Freeman met the media one more time today before the Irish take the field at Syracuse on Saturday. And we'll pick up some of the conversation. Coach Freeman talking about this Fighting Irish football team coming off a good, solid win over UNLV. Now they face a ranked opponent in Syracuse on the road this Saturday. Hey, Marcus. Um, what have you kind of seen from your receiver group this week? Um,
4: they've actually had a really good week. You know, um, I challenged them probably Monday and, and Tuesday just that you know we have to continue, as I said in the press conference, continue to – gain confidence in practice um, in terms of how to expand our passing game. And that's obviously the wideouts, the quarterback, the O-line, and everybody. And so um, they've had a really good week. You know, it's interesting, man. I spent a a good amount of time with them this week. And you realize, man, it's it's such an unselfish. You have to be unselfish. You can do everything right. You can be wide open. um, And you don't always get rewarded for it but um, they're continuing to battle, continue to get better, and um, I look forward to seeing what they do on Saturday.
2: Coach, it, it looks like Purdue and Clemson uh, probably have done the best job in limiting Schrader in the passing game, but they had success running it. What can you do to limit him
0: in a passing game, or is this kind of a pick your poison between run and pass? And then also the, the uh, tight end slash wide receiver, Gadsden, how do you match up with him? Because he's a pretty unique talent.
4: Yeah, yeah, I'll start with Gatson. He's a, a, a guy that I know they list as a tight end, but he can be a tight end, he can be a wide out. Um, and he is a, can be a, a mismatch at times. And so we have to try to be physical with him and, and you're going to have to win some jump balls. He's got great body control and ability for him to go get the ball the air. Um, he is a, a tough, tough guy to defend. Um, as far as trying to limit their offense in um You're just going to have to try to limit their big plays. And that's what I think you see uh, really studying that Clemson game is he's going to get yardage. He's going to get yardage running the ball. He's going to make some throws, but to eliminate the big plays and truly make sure you have a hat for him and and, um, you have to be physical with him, you know, and you have to try to, you know, make physical tackles on him. Um, But he is a a talented football player that you you can't just say, hey, we got to stop him running because he can throw the ball well, and you can't just play Um, eight man drops because he's got the ability to run the ball and they got the ability to run the ball with Tucker and so uh, it's a really good offense um, that's going to present a a huge challenge for our defense.
0: Hey coach a little bit off the beaten path I I remember um, Tyler Buckner's recovery time I think took you completely out of the season and into January I'm wondering if that timeline is still firm or or if there's been progress where maybe that could be moved up. The other thing with that is what's he able to do to develop his game now? Is he able to do any drills with his throwing shoulder since that wasn't the one that was injured?
4: Yeah, he's not able to do many physical drills. Um, You know, right now, even with his throwing shoulder, I know it wasn't surgically repaired, but you know, it still affects the other shoulder and and he hasn't been released to run um, as of today yet. Uh, But I think here soon, you know, he's going to start progressing. And and again, it was a four to five-month recovery, um, which puts us somewhere in January. And uh, right now I've been told nothing otherwise with that. Um, What can he do to continue to enhance and prepare is, is, you know, he's doing a really good job in meetings and, and continue to keep his mind sharp. Uh, mentally, um, be a, a, another set of eyes for Tyler, be a voice for Tyler. Um, but again, the game, the, study, the ability to study the game and the ability to mentally stay sharp is something that you can't get enough of and he's doing that. Coach, I wanted to follow up on something Prince Colley mentioned. Uh, he was complimenting J.D. Bertrand, but also noting about Jalen Sneed and then Collie himself last year, how it can be hard for a linebacker to get on the field in this defense, and he, he might have meant the college game. Is that something where this the modern college game, there's so many checks, so many things to go through a linebacker, it's much more difficult for these guys? Or you could put on your uh, ex-linebacker coach hat at Notre Dame and also explain why, why it might have been tough for Collie and why it is for Sneed. I don't know if I ever take off my linebacker hat, um, but, you know, with, with print, again, with any high school, um, football player trying to come to the college level there is a adjustment it's a mental adjustment in terms of you know depending on what type of system you played in in high school a lot of, a lot of kids who recruit defensively they play a lot of what we call sea ball get ball you know it's ability to get lined up and go play and go find the football and they'll play one or two coverages well in college there's so much more that goes into it um you know and and for prince he has so much natural ability what you're seeing for him is the development of understanding the schematic part of it and, and understanding how he aligns where he fits and he's doing a much better job and, and uh, um, he's playing well you know those reps that he's getting and he's earning more reps you know he's a guy that a couple weeks ago i kind of challenged our defensive staff and let's find a way to get Prince Khali more reps and uh, he's doing a good job as far as Jalen Sneed it, it's He's very similar to Prince in terms of extremely highly recruited linebackers, um, extremely talented. They have physical gifts that are second to none. Um, but the mental aspect, you know, Snead was a guy that played defense end, played linebacker, played safety, played quarterback. He, he did a little bit of everything in high school. And, and he's adjusting to just learning one position at the college level, um, but he's doing a heck of a job. He has some physical tools that are, that are really impressive he Still has to gain some weight. Um, he's always been a thin body framed type player. You know, a lot of guys that were here with Awus who say they have similar body types, similar athletic traits. Um, but you know, he's going to be a good player. You know, it's just mentally and, and physically continuing to develop, um, to play at this level. But, um, you know, he's he's getting reps. You know, with scout team and with the the guys that are going to be playing in the game, he's doing both. Um, And so I think there's the confidence that the coaches do have with him that if an injury or two happens, if he can be ready to go in a game. um, And that's why he's traveling and getting some reps with the guys that are playing. But the other part of it is, is. You know, what we're doing defensively right now is is in certain versus certain offensive personnel using just two linebackers on the field, whereas last year we the majority of the time had three linebackers on the field. So it is harder to get on the field um, versus your normal 11 personnel offenses, because we're using two linebackers to match up um, defensively. But but Jalen Sneed, I'm excited for his future here. Um, He's going to be a heck of a player. Prince Khali is continuing to develop and uh, is becoming a really good football player. Uh, and the linebacker room is, as a, as a whole is improving. Um, J.D. Bertrand, Jack Kaiser, those guys, Maris Leifel.
2: Yeah, It sure seems like Prince Kali's time is coming very, very soon, impacting on special teams as well with Bo Bauer out for the season. And you may have to wait just a little bit longer for Snead. I love the question there by Tim O'Malley and the response by Coach Freeman off a little perspective on the learning curve for high school linebackers to make the transition to the college game. Sports wagering talk coming up next, then the Marcus Freeman Show, then Ravens and Buccaneers all coming up on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And you're home for Saturday's matchup with Syracuse on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.